1940, after the retreat of, at Dunkirk, uh, Sir Winston Churchill made an address to the English people. And uh, part of that famous speech were these words. He said, all I have to offer you is blood and sweat and tears. Realizing that the uh, Nazi blitzkrieg had rolled across Western Europe and now only the English Channel kept them at bay from England and Great Britain, Churchill knew that the people he was addressing could be facing some of the most difficult times in their lives, and probably what, or they probably would be. And he didn't want to paint a, a rosy picture and have them give up. So he called them to that which was most difficult, and he painted the picture as accurately as, his, as he could. As we get to chapter 10, we're going to be picking up in verse 16 today in, in, the, in chapter 10 of Matthew. And I think it's, I, I couldn't have, I could not have planned this this way. But I thank the Lord that in his wisdom and in his time, he has us right at these verses on this Memorial Day weekend. For those of you that are just visiting with us, I'll, I'll quickly in chapter 9, Jesus looked out, and he looked out, and he saw the people, the world, and, and he, he, he sees them in verse 36 of chapter 9. It says that he saw them as sheep with no shepherd, shepherd and he was, his heart was moved with compassion because they were just, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And uh, one translation says that, he, they, that their needs were great, and they didn't know where to go for help. And it moved him to compassion to the point that he, he told his disciples, he, he told him, he said, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest. He said, look out, look, at the, the fields are white to harvest. So pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into his harvest. Then in chapter 10, then, then the next thing that we're presented with in Matthew is Jesus, and it's interesting in verse one of chapter 10, Jesus calls his disciples the 12, and he, and he lists the names of those men there in verse 10 and uh, verse 2 and verse 3. In verse 2 of chapter 10, he sends them out as apostles. Now, disciples means a learner of. So he called them to be learners of, of himself, learners of Christ. And then he, he sends them out uh, as apostles, as one sent. He sends them out and he gives them their mission. Their mission was to go to the, to the lost tribes of Israel, to go to Israel. And to take the message that the Messiah had come. They were to go and tell the, the Jewish people that all the things that the Old Testament prophecies or prophets had predicted would take place when Messiah came were being fulfilled literally that, that among them with Jesus. That he came, that the blind would see, that the, the, the lame would walk, that even the dead was raised to life. And that he was teaching and speaking with power and authority that was setting people free. And their, 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 their mission and the method and, 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 uh, was spelled out by Jesus Christ and the message. And then 
as he sends them forth, with, beginning with verse 16 today, he sends them forth with these words. And maybe we do a misservice when we, and, and, I, and it's appropriate that on this Memorial Day, and as we've already done, and uh, as we are, I'm so proud of you when, you when you honor men and women of service and that have served and that are serving. And as we remember those who have lost their lives in wars of this country, it's, it's, it's altogether appropriate that we do that. And, we, and, and what we see as Churchill called England to, to gear up and to be ready to sacrifice for their freedom, sacrifice for their country, I think sometimes we do a disservice when we do not accurately look at what Jesus called his followers to. And to anything less than that, because as Jesus now is sharing with his disciples that he's sending out, he's, he's, he's going, to, he's going to, to warn them and tell them to expect that their message is not going to always be received gladly, that there will be persecution, there will be trials, there will be hardships, and yes, at times there will be death to those that follow him. This week, we again have been rocked with uh, the attack of a bus of women and kids in Egypt of Coptic Christians that were killed by radical Islamic terrorists. The, the bombing in Manchester of terrorism. And then those, and rightfully so, those are headline news and those are front page because they're just there. But I, but I am reminded, I'm grieved that, that oftentimes never making the news. And if it does, it's hidden somewhere way in the back pages or just a footnote somewhere are the hundreds and thousands of men and women of Christians living in countries where they are dying martyrs' death because they refuse to bend the knee or to compromise their faith in Jesus Christ. Never before in all of history has a church of Jesus Christ been more persecuted than it is today. And yet, sometimes we lose sight of that. So Jesus speaks to these men as he's sending them out. And he's calling them to an ultimate sacrifice. He's calling them to be prepared. And as we look at these words, beginning in verse 16 through verse 23, I believe, and I'll show you why as we go through these, that, it, that this call was not only to those disciples he was sending out, but it was to every Christian that would come down, that would follow thereafter. And it's to you and me today and where we live and until he comes. So join me. You should be in verse 16 now. And let's walk through this and take a look. He's, he's just sent them out and he's saying, telling them the, the, the mission he's given them, the message he's given them, the method he's given them. And he says, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now, I, this, I, this verse is just hard for me to get past. Um, in chapter 9, he sees the people of the world as sheep. They're just scattered. And, and there's something about sheep. I, I, I still have uh, in my library uh, a, a little book that's a great book. It's called A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. A great, great, great book. 
Uh, I don't know a lot about sheep, know more about cows and, and Freddie, but, but sheep, but from what I, my research and what, I, what little I do know, I, I hate to use the word dumb, but, but some shepherd would say they're just dumb. They're at least, they're at least naive. Sheep are. They really are. Uh, you know, they're just like, and, and, and as I look at this, sheep have got to be one of the most defenseless critters that God ever created. I, they, really, they really have. I mean, of all the creatures, and some, you know, some creatures depend on their speed for the defense. Well, a, a sheep's not going to outrun many things, you know? And some people, the, the, you know, God equipped with, with defensive claws or teeth or something like that. Not the sheep. Some, even, even the skunk, God created so that if you get too close to the skunk, he'll spray you and it'll be a deterrent. You don't want to eat this meal, big boy, you know? I mean, porcupines have quills. Some creators, God created, their creator made so that, that, that when danger approaches, and, and, you know, don't get this wrong, they puff up, they swell up, they get big. And it's, and it's a deterrent to those who would, to their enemies. But sheep, uh, some creators, you know, have a, when danger close, they let out a loud scream or yell to catch the enemy off guard. But sheep, you know, you don't hear them bad so loud that it scares the wolves off. <clears throat> They're not going to outrun them. <coughs> Excuse me. So, and oftentimes in scripture, he refers to, to people as his sheep. Psalms, we're his people and the sheep of his pasture. Psalms 23, uh, you know, we're, we're sheep. David was saying, Christ is our shepherd. Isaiah, all we like sheep have gone astray. Uh, so here, Jesus now, he just talked, referred to the world as sheep was scattered around and needing somebody to, to, to guide them. But now he's saying, okay, <clears throat> I'm going to send you forth like sheep excuse me, um, in the midst of wolves. That, that's amazing me. You got to say, what? Say what? You know, wolves, wolves, are, wolves are the arch enemy of sheep. Tear them apart, catch a straggler, run in a, a, a herd of, of sheep or a flock of sheep, scatter them, cut some out, take them down. He's sending these disciples as sheep in the midst of wolves. He's sending you and me as sheep into the midst of wolves. I'm going to get me a piece of candy to suck on or something here. I'm gonna, I hate coughing to, at y'all morning. Now, think about that. Why would he, why would he do that? It's caused us to, to, to trust our shepherd. He knows what he's doing. He knows his sheep. And he also knows probably the best use of those sheep, where they're needed most, in the midst of wolves. And as he sends them, <coughs> excuse me, he says, therefore, be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. In San Francisco, when I was in ministry there, every Friday and every Friday and Saturday night, we were on Broadway North Beach. 
blocks and blocks and blocks of uh, uh, worldly entertainment uh, and looked like Sodom and Gomorrah. And we felt like sheep among wolves because we would go out on the street sharing the gospel. And there, I, I can't remember a time on one of those Friday and Saturday nights when whoever was leading us in prayer before we went out, we didn't pray this. Lord, now send us out as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. What did that mean? Well, from, from Genesis, from the time that, that Satan approached Eve to deceive her and tempt her with eating the food that God had said, you won't eat the fruit of this tree. He came, as a, he came as serpent. Serpent snakes are known as for their cunningness, for their craftiness, for their deceitfulness. Now, and I'll tell you, you know, you, again, House of Prayer Church family knows how pitiful I am. Every time I read this verse, I think of, I think it's the Jungle Book. The, in the Jungle Book, the cartoon that's got Ka, isn't it? Ka, you know, and it's this, it's this, if you had not seen it, you'll need to look at that. You got to be a great Memorial Day weekend watch. But Ka is, is trying to, and he is, he is hypnotizing Mowgli. And Ka, with his cunning and soft words, you know, it, it, it's, it's such a picture of how the enemy, as a serpent, tries to deceive and to disarm and to dissuade innocent victims. But here Jesus is saying to those sheep in the midst of wolves, you need to be as cunning and as wise as a serpent. But at the same time, you need to be as harmless. I can't think of anything, even today, every time I see a, a turtle dove, <clears throat> and I think of how peaceful and how pure turtle doves, turtle doves look. He said, but you need to be as harmless as a dove, as wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. And this is how he sends them forth and how he sends us forth into the world with this message of the gospel. Now, he's telling this, and now notice verse 17. He says, but beware of men, for they're going to deliver you up into the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And you'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake. And for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Now, as I read this, just first, first things that jump out is he says, hey, you're going to be persecuted. There's going to be persecution that's going to come from civil authorities. When he says they'll bring you before their councils, to me, that's like saying before city hall, before civil government, uh, and before they're in their synagogues. They'll scourge you in their synagogues, talking about the seats of religion, now, the truth is, is that Christians, there have probably been more Christians, bless your heart, a cup of water in his name. Thank you, Pam. There have probably been more Christians that have lost their lives persecuted by radical religious sex than any other thing in all of history. Just think about that. And today, we have radical religions of the world, whether it's Hinduism, whether it's Islam, and they are 
killing Christians. One of the things that, that, I, that I think stands out, or one of the reasons for this that I can figure out, is the world religion, the world's okay with religion. It really is. And the world is really religious. It's just this man, Jesus Christ, that stands up and says, the only way to God is through me. Now, people want to say that Christians are narrow-minded, but the truth is Jesus Christ is a narrow way. And he said, the only way, no man comes to the Father, he said, except through me. He said that he was the way, he was the truth, and he was the light. Now, if you're just one of those religious people in the world that just wants to let everybody get together and say, it's okay, you can have your religion, I'll have my religion, we'll get together around a campfire and sing kumbaya and just follow the yellow brick road and we're all going to end up in heaven, the world's not going to hate you. But the yellow brick road don't end up in heaven, it ends up in hell. Because Jesus Christ said, he is the way, he's the truth, and he's your life. And it's that it's that truth that, other, that the religions of the world can't stand. They cannot stand it. it, makes, it, it it's, just like, it's just like throwing gasoline on a fire. It's okay, but, but religions, but Christians, huh, they think they're the only ones. They think, you know, they think they're the only way. No, Jesus said he was the only way. So you've got this religious persecution that Jesus told his disciples right then. And he knew he was going to, he, he experienced this and he would experience in its fullness shortly when the religious leaders would holler and cry for his blood. Crucify him, crucify him. And what does scriptures tell us? It tells us that it was the religious leaders who were inciting the people to call for the blood of Jesus. They couldn't stand it. He dared say that he was Equal with God? Yeah. They couldn't stand him for it. And he says, Jesus tells them, you're going to be persecuted by religious groups, but you're going to be, there's going to be civil persecution too. Civil authorities. Who would have, who would have thought that we're where we are today? I mean, the men and women of this church that helped found the house of prayer in the, in the 50s, in the 60s that have gone home to be with the Lord now, they would never have imagined that in, in the United States, with short of a civil war, they would never have imagined that our government would prosecute Christians and would take their business away because they failed to participate in same-sex ceremonies with couples. But yet it's happened. They would, men and women who fought and died for this country and the freedom we were enjoy, that we enjoy now as, as Americans, many of them could never have imagined that there would come a time in the United States where people who dared to stand up and read God's word, that they would, could be prosecuted and persecuted and thrown in prison for espousing hate speech. And yet it's true, not only in the United States, but in many other, quote, quote, free countries. Ran across this several days ago, thinking about this message. And, and this was written over 30 years ago by John MacArthur. He said this, 
When its citizens turn, when its citizens turn away from the Lord and his standard, even the freest and most democratic governments, including our own United States, will eventually inhibit the free expression and practice of the Christian faith in hostility to Christ and his word. <laughs> I read that and I looked at the date when he, when he wrote that. And I was being very, it's a lot longer than 30 years ago. And I thought, you gotta be kidding me. This is where we are. I, I don't think he realized how prophetic how accurate his words would be. But notice where it starts. When its citizens turn away from the Lord and his standard, his word, even the freest and most democratic governments, including our own United States, will eventually inhibit the free expression and practice of the Christian faith in hostility to Christ and his word. And Jesus told his disciples, there's gonna be persecution. There's gonna be trials. And it's gonna come from religious, it's gonna come from religious people. And it's gonna come from people who are in authority over you and civil government. And we kind of, okay, we, we kind of expect that. Now, verse 18 also gives, I think, to me a little bit of a clue and that turns the page and, and reveals that he's not just telling the disciples he's sending out this, but he's telling this for also for those disciples and Christians that would follow down through the years and for even us. Because remember, in the first part of chapter 10, he sends those apostles, where does he send them to? The Jews. Sends them to the Jews. In verse 18, though, he, said, he, he says, and they'll even bring you uh, before the rulers and before the Gentiles. So I think, I think the, the, what Jesus is telling them is, is you need to be ready. You need to understand the mindset if you want to follow me. And I was thinking about how we probably do a disservice. This is my, and, I, and I know this. I'm going to tell you straight up. This is not the most, this is not a sermon you would preach and then, and then call for a bunch of volunteers. Okay. <laughs> Because it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not icing on the cake. But it is the cake itself of following Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ follows us. To total, he calls us to total commitment. And sometimes we gear up and we say, okay, I can have, you know, the religions, other religions, even the government. But look, at, look, look with me. Verse 19. And when they, uh, when they deliver you, take no thought of what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour of what you shall speak. And verse 20 says, for it's not you that speaks, but the Holy Spirit that speaks. I'll come back to verse 19 and 20 in a minute. Verse 21 says, and brother shall deliver up the brother to death, the father the child, the children will rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death, and you'll be hated of all men for my name's sake. All right, you gear up for persecution from religious persecution from other religions that can't stand the narrowness of the gospel. You gear up for the, you gear up in your mind and say, okay, this may cost us our job. The, the authorities may, we may go to jail because we don't participate in this or we don't become like the world and be, be politically correct in this arena. But it gets really difficult, right? It's really, really difficult when that persecution comes from within your own family. 
And that's what he's saying here. There was a, uh, some polls that came out this week. I, I've, I've learned polls to me, I, I don't like them much. But it was interesting, these polls were, were polls that were done among predominantly Muslim countries. And, and they were asking the responders, it was, it was a, a Muslim poll, and they were asking the responders, is it ever right to have honor killings? Does, is it ever right for honor killings to be sanctioned? And those polls ranged from 40-something percent that said, yes, definitely. I think, the, and I think that maybe Lebanon or Jordan had went down to, Lebanon had went down to 20% or something. And we know, and, and there's some of you that can speak a lot more accurately to this. Brother Jim surely could. But one of the, one of the, one of the thing, one of the, Reasons of honor killings being justified among many religions, Muslim, Islam particularly, is if a, if, if a family member turns away from that religion and follows Christ. Then it becomes an honor, it becomes the duty of a close kin or closest of kin to stop that uh, heresy. Now, that's not the only reason. Uh, arranged marriages and if a, if, a, if a young girl does not want to be obedient or is disrespectful in a lot of ways, you know, but Jesus is saying, hey, this is not something new. Was it, was it John the Baptist who, uh, you know, who was the civil authorities arrested him because he dared to speak out against Herod and say, Herod, what you're doing with your brother Philip's wife, you, it's, not, it's not right for you to be married to her. Throw him in jail. Today, there's Christians in jail because they've read God's word and they've dared to stand up and speak God's truth. Today, there's people that, that are in fear of their lives from their family because they have become followers of Christ and they know that if their family find them and can, they will kill them. Jesus told us it would be like this. Not only family, but Jesus said all the world. And you're gonna be hated of, of all men for my name's sake. Now, Jesus, he didn't say that, that this persecution was going to be constant all the time. But he did say that, that it's going to be, we we're going to face it. But there's two things I want, to, I want to leave with you. Verse, I told you we'd come back to verse 19 and verse 20. And then verse 23. Verse 19 and verse 20 is the promise of when we're persecuted. And by the way, 2 Timothy 3, 12 says, for those who live godly will endure or suffer persecutions, okay? But Jesus tells them here that when that happens, God's spirit, the Holy Spirit of God will, will give you wisdom. He'll give you what to say. It's gonna happen. You're gonna be unprepared for it oftentimes, but when it does, he said, I'll put the words in your mouth you need to share. Count on him, depend on him, trust him. And then in verse 23, he says, but when they persecute you in this city, flee to another city. For verily I tell you, you will not have gone over the cities of Israel till the son of man become. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I don't understand that verse completely. Uh, 
There, there are a lot of different commentators that comment on that verse and what it means. And uh, I'm not satisfied with any of them. What, I, what this verse says to me that I do know is that Jesus says that there will come a time when he says that's, it's enough. There'll come a time when he says that's enough. I think of the, of the martyrs in the book of Revelation and of the souls and the, and, the, and the cries of the martyrs. They're saying, how long, Lord? How long? How much longer? How many more? How many more are going to have to give their lives? How many more are going to be killed for, your, for the cause of Christ? How much longer, Lord? And God says, there's a time, but there's a time when I say, that's it. That's it. I read across several days ago. I ran across something from Spurgeon that I'd never read before. Now, Spurgeon, you know, Spurgeon is a prolific writer. Oh, my goodness. And the man must have preached a million messages and, and wrote them. You know, he's, he's just like a treasure chest of thoughts and ideals uh, and, and insight and scripture. But several days ago, I read across this by Spurgeon. He said, let me be as the bullock which stands between the plow and the altar to work or to be sacrificed. And let my motto be ready for either. I I read that and and I stopped and I thought, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Let me be as the bullock which stands between the plow and the altar to work or to be sacrificed. And let my motto be ready for either. This Memorial Day, we, we remember and honor all those who have fought and died for our freedoms as Americans. We remember all those who have given their lives while standing for Christ and continue to do so. And in a moment, we're going to take communion. And we're going to be remembering the persecution and the sufferings and the death of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for my sins and for our sins so that we could receive forgiveness of those sins, be set free from the penalty and the power of that sin and be clothed in his righteousness. And we dare not forget either of those sacrifices. Let's pray. Father, you always want us to know truth because you are truth. Not only to know you, but to know the truth about that which you call us to and that which you send us forth to do. So as you sent these apostles as sheep in the midst of wolves, You wanted them to know and be prepared for the persecutions, the trials and the hardships that they would face. But Lord, you sent them forth with that, uh, armed with that, but you also sent them forth equipped with the truth that your Holy Spirit would give them the words to speak, that you would be with them. And Lord, that there would be a time when you would say, that's enough. In a day of uh, when often and especially 
thinking of me and in mind a day of easy living for us as far as persecution for Christ. I'm glad that you showed me the picture of the plow and of the altar. And I'm glad, Lord, for those who would be speak boldly and say to work or to be sacrificed, let us be ready for either. Trusting the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, that we are your sheep, the sheep of your pasture. Use us as you will for the cause of Christ, for the message of the gospel to a world that's dying. May we never forget. And Lord, as we take communion elements this morning, remind us afresh and anew of your suffering and of your blood and of the freedom it brings. In Christ I pray, amen.